Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Dr. Lark Eshelman on how attachment relationships aid in trauma treatment. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I have a real treat for you all today, and I'm very excited to tell you about a special guest that we have today, who is a longtime friend and dear colleague of mine. I'm going to give you some background information about her before we get started. Today, my guest is Dr. Lark Eshelman. She's the executive director of the About Child Trauma Foundation, an educational nonprofit teaching about and researching the short and long-term effects of early emotional trauma and the power of building resilience in young learners. She's a former school librarian, elementary school principal, school psychologist and is a doctor of psychology specializing in child development attachment and developmental trauma dr lark is on a select committee of the pennsylvania department of education to shape the criteria for required trainings in pennsylvania schools she's also a special consultant to the state of delaware's foster care system among other training and consultation work Back in 2003, she wrote one of the first books on attachment trauma, the title of the book, Becoming a Family, Promoting Healthy Attachments with Your Adopted Child. She also writes for Fostering Families magazine, as well as other magazines and journals. And most recently, she and Jane Gordon, an art therapist, created and published a coloring in pairs coloring book. It's called Color Me Closer, and it helps to bring people emotionally closer through partner coloring. She offers workshops, training for schools, parents, and professionals, and also brings insights to international audience. Uh, audiences, including adoptive families in India, professionals in Singapore, and communities in Eastern Europe. Her groundbreaking group work with the Children of War in Croatia has been transformed into a group treatment model called Traumatized Children Building Trust, an innovative program for mental health professionals who work with children and families. Her passion is learning and teaching about the critical nature of healthy beginnings for our our youngest loved ones. Her very favorite role in life is with her family. So today, Lark and I are going to be discussing attachment, attachment relationships, and how they relate to trauma treatment. So I know that you're going to enjoy hearing from her, my friends, and we will be coming right up. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast, part two two, with Dr. Lark Eshelman. And we are talking about the overlap between attachment theory and trauma treatment and how attachment plays into our work with people who've experienced trauma. So thank you for continuing this conversation, Dr. Lark. 
I love it. I love this, Karen. This is just so helpful and necessary and what we all need to be thinking about when we treat trauma and when we find the best ways to integrate attachment into it. I'd love to tell you a very short story about a principal, an elementary school principal, who is just one of the most wonderful guys in the whole wide world. Um, he's lovely, he's, he's um, supportive, he's sweet, he knows all the best educational whatevers, but he was on our, um, we're certified in the state of Pennsylvania to be a provider of trainings for the Department of Education. And um, this guy was on our committee. And the first time we sat down to talk about the ACEs that were going to, you know, the 10 adverse childhood experiences that we were going to be looking at when we talked about our certification program, I said, gosh, and all of them are somehow connected with attachment. And he looked like, wait, what? How, how do you say that? And I said, well, look through them and I would ask you to tell me which one of these 10 adverse childhood experiences would not be better, would not heal better if the child experiencing them had a strong attachment with a figure who could help through. And he said, oh, uh, I never looked at it this way. This is going to change how I work with children in the school. And it was, it was and and um, how did he articulate it would change things? Um, so this little second grader would try and get kicked out so he could go home and be with mom. But now that this principal had a different understanding of what was going on behind the behaviors. Oh, so important. Yes. 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 I was this little boy. Yes. <laughs> That's what I said to him when he told me the story. Um, he would bring, he asked the, that the little boy be sent to his office the next time he misbehaved. And he said to the little boy, I'm going to call your mom and ask her if you can stay, because I really don't want you to go home. I would miss you. And I, I would like you to hang out with me. It could be a really good time. And so the little boy was shocked. The mom was shocked. The principal said, come at the end of the day, because we're going to hang out together. I just don't, I, I'd miss him if he left. And all of a sudden, uh, this little boy's behavior started changing. And what he did was rather than be naughty, the teacher would start giving him a little note to take to the principal when he was doing well. And the, you know how the, the basis of attachment, of course, is pleasing that person who is the giver of all gifts, the lover of all loves. And this principal then became a partner with this little boy's mom in giving that approval, that sense of positive self, self-regard, um, all the things that Bowlby talked about when we are trying to develop a, a positive internal working model. So it turned this little boy's life around. And so the principal became a safe haven and a secure base. He did. And he worked with mom. So I, I also, another part of the story I like was that they talked to mom together. Yes. So it wasn't like, no, you, we're not going to let you, you know, call mom or something. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if a school is allowed to do that. But I mean, the attitude was, 
together with your mother, we're going to come up with a way that feels better for you. So what do you think the school was trauma informed? The school was, you know, aware of sensory issues, right? What do you think they would have done differently had they not had this attachment relational understanding or what were they doing maybe? You know, it very basically, Karen, I think it's the difference between time in and time out. Okay. Time out is send him home. Yes. And time in is, no, let's stay here and work through this. Let's find yes. a better solution. Yes. And let's do it because we care so much about you that we don't want you to leave. Yes. So, I mean, that's, that's maybe too simplistic, but that's the difference is we can, and I don't know how many of your um, listeners listen to or have had the opportunity to hear Sandra Bloom recently but I was uh, I saw Sandy a couple weeks ago we were she was talking about the fact that really we need to revise our vocabulary here we are back at vocabulary but we need to stop talking so much about behavioral health and start talking more about mental health because it's not the behaviors that well that's what we used to talk about and we decided to switch it to behavioral health which made me crazy and i refuse to use the term and i just want to interject that sandra bloom for listeners is the developer of the sanctuary model just to put that together yes yes exactly thank you um brilliant woman lovely person um and has her her finger on the pulse of what we need to be doing so um behavioral health means we can measure it so we could measure how many times this little boy was sent home because of his behaviors and we could link them to the behaviors. so we link the intervention which is sending him home to the behavior and we can count them what is more difficult to count is how much better this little boy felt about himself when the principal said Nah, we're not going to send you home today. I want you to hang out here with me because I I really like you. I want you to be here. Um, Let's do some things together. And of course, I was a school principal. It's very difficult to stop your day and just say, we're going to do things together. But they worked it out. They gave him, mm, to him, they were important little jobs that he could do that made him feel good about himself. I just love this story. This is like the best. I want for um, for Mr. Van Arsdale to be uh, we want to interview him and make this little story part of you know his what his legacy is Mm -hmm. and his input into our um, our certification program it's actually a big story isn't it it is a big story yeah and it's the difference between big T and little T for this little boy all of a sudden the big T's of misbehaving and getting kicked out of school, which could interrupt the whole trajectory of his life if we did it forever, became little T's because now he was able to ask for help, to feel better about receiving help, to um, self-regulate. He could regulate himself because he knew what was going to happen and it was a good thing. It's just all kinds of good things that came out. And I think, you know, when you brought up the issue of time, which of course is always an issue, especially in schools where you're responsible for many, many children. But, you know, one of the things that we talk about in our new book, Raising the Challenging Child, is um, but that dose of focused, attuned attention 
is like an inoculation sort of that the child needs less attention often later. And I mean, it's not instantaneous or whatever, but if you wanted to look at all the time the child took before from the principal and from teachers and assistants or behavior managers or whatever the school has, and you look at, you know, if we infuse some of this positive attention connection um, into the relationship, then in the end, it often ends up taking less time. Absolutely. Right? It's just, I call it like the attention inoculation. So like now I gave you this, you know, nice focused piece of attention. So you'll need less attention other times when it's harder for your teacher or whoever to give it to you. If yeah. we could just get that concept across that it seems like, oh, we don't have that extra time. Well, many times these children are taking huge amounts of resources anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right? It's, um, yes. It's <laughs> what we tried to, I think we did a good job actually of impressing on our um, legislature and governor in Pennsylvania. Yes. We're paying now and we're paying later. Yes. We're paying for the disruptions now. And then of course we're paying later when kids end up in juvenile justice systems or in jail when they get older or with addictions or with um, unplanned and unwanted pregnancies or with health, of course, if we look at the ACE studies, with all kinds of health diseases. Um, so we're paying now and we're paying later. If we pay now in the right way, we don't pay later. Yes. Or at least we greatly reduce what we pay later. Yes. So um, it makes perfect sense that we figure out how to put the resources where we most need them and then offer them in a way that can be received by the child and family, even through the schools. Schools need to work with families more. I don't know when we stop doing that, but it's not good. Yeah, that's such a great twist on that. You know, many of us have heard the pay now or pay later, but uh, I love what you're saying you know, we are paying now too, but we're just paying in a different way. That's not producing a good return on investment, not giving us good dividends. Um, Absolutely. However we want to say it. Lark, you're such a rock star. Like you're involved <laughs> at the treatment level and at the legislative level and at the research level and internationally and yikes, you're, you are busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, both of us are busy, Karen, but we love what we do. So how do we ever stop? There's not yeah. a, a single part of this that doesn't excite me and I'm just so thrilled with the kind of work that's being done. What I would say to your listeners and those of us who are on your, do you call this a list, sir? What is your the, uh, the, the email? The e-list? Oh, you mean the, okay. the Facebook group? Yes. The Attachment Based Therapist Facebook group. Right. Um, so we just call that a Facebook group. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably so, what you're thinking of. Right. It is. So as we're on the, the Facebook group and I'm reading so much good uh, material from so many people and great yes. comments and great questions and great discussions. Um, one of the things that I, I would be remiss to not say today is that for all of those um, great practitioners out there, we all need to do what we're talking about doing for kids. We all need to be better resources for each other. And so my stat model, for example, is based on the principle that everybody can't do everything. So we need to partner with certain practitioners that we trust. If we're doing the attachment piece, someone else needs to do the 
EMDR piece or the so before we before we wind down, Lark. I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but I want you to explain the stat model. So when you're saying that, yeah. listeners know a little right. bit about it because I want to make sure before we end today that you get to explain that. So it might be a good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so it's the synergistic trauma and attachment therapy model, and what it means is there are many treatments that can work to help children and families. We can't any one of us do them all, but each one has a particular part that can be really helpful at a certain time in a child's healing. So we don't do EMDR with every child from the first therapy session to the last ther therapy session because it's not always needed. But maybe in order for EMDR to be really effective, the child has to have some help with self-regulation. We may want to work with an occupational therapist first, um, and then maybe the child needs attachment therapy to help them be receptive to whatever therapies come next. Then we introduce the EMDRP piece, and as it backs out, because we've done some good work here, maybe the child then and family need to revise their narrative. So then we introduce some narrative therapy. It's a coalition of treatment therapies or modalities that are all based on sound tenets of um, psychotherapy but they're not all needed at all times. So when do we use them and which ones do we use and who's the best person to do that therapy? Mm -hmm. You know what I use more than anything to help determine which one or ones are needed at what time, which interventions or therapies is the Marshak interaction method because mm -hmm. it gives us so much rich information. Oh, it does. And you can repeat it as often as you want. There's no um, mm -hmm. hindrance to using it again in six months to gauge where you are, uh, to use it again in a year. Maybe you change some of the activities a little bit, but they're the ones that are still getting at what you need to get at. I love Marshak. I do too. Yeah. Sometimes I tell people it's worth level one therapy training just to get yes, to training in being able to use the Marshak interaction yeah. method. So right. folks, uh, th this is an assessment tool taught in TheraPlay um, where we videotape parents and children going through a series of play tasks and do um, an analysis of that and then also give feedback to the parent um, based on what we see in the video actually showing the video. So it's also a form of video intervention therapy in a way as well. So just for those listening, if you're not familiar, that's that's what it is. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. 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 So gosh, this is so good. And I I love what you're saying is happening in the schools that you're working with and you know um and you come at it with the experience of having run a school um and that's the other thing i think sometimes happens with us is educators think and speak differently and mm -hmm. i think sometimes when we come in with our therapy speak uh it's not always <laughs> You know, well-received, and would therapists get frustrated with that? I say, well, would you like a teacher coming into your therapy session or the school principal and telling you how to run your therapy session, you know? Good for you, Karen Buckwalder, yay. <laughs> <laughs> but really, we have to think yep. about this. Yes, we do. There's a lot we have to think about. <laughs> but, but think about it. What we're talking about today on this podcast is getting to the nub of it. And if the really basic, the root of healing 
from trauma is developing, forming, and then taking advantage of using in a positive way, healthy attachments, then we've come to the root of the healing part. Yes. We understand the root of the trauma piece, why it becomes a big T. Right. Is because the child doesn't have that or doesn't have the capacity to receive it. Now we can talk about the interventions because we have to look at all of them from the attack. We have to at least uh, screen that first. Is this child sound enough in their attachment that we can offer these trauma interventions in a way that they can receive them, that mm -hmm. they'll be helpful to them. Mm -hmm. It will help us with burnout because I know there are a lot of therapists who get frustrated and they want to quit because they feel like they're not making the progress that they want to. Same thing in schools. This will help us understand the why some children don't um, receive the benefit from what we're offering them and give us a guide to how we can enhance our own work our therapy work in a therapy session or in a school or wherever we're working with children so they can get the benefit that we have to offer. Yeah, I think, you know, we had been talking um, in some of our earlier discussions before the podcast, it's counseling therapy 101, form a relationship with the clients. Yeah. And so if the children um, are somehow unable to do that we have to find a way like you said we have to adapt we have to think out of the box we have to not just shove our same protocol there that way and if it doesn't work give up or refer out or blame the kid or blame the parent right. or whatever right. whatever we do right. we, we do lots of things it becomes blame ourselves, blame ourselves. Yep. yeah we quit so, so if you were to to sum it up which I think you actually just did so beautifully, but um, I think uh, what, what I'm really impressed with about this conversation today is that, that you are getting educators and other folks to see this overlap. Mm -hmm. and do, you know, do you have any pointers on you know, how, how, how you were able to get some of those light bulbs to go off. Um, is it mm -hmm. just, you know, that light bulb that went off for that school principal? I feel like sometimes people are like, I've tried to pull the switch on that light bulb a lot of times and I can't get that light bulb. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I don't well. mean that just with school people. I just mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, in general, when we're trying to bring the pieces of this together. So I didn't know if you had any closing thoughts about that. Well, one is just as we sometimes meet children who are not ready to receive what we have to offer because their attachment is not secure or they don't have the template for attachment, um, there are always going to be other professionals or other people with whom we're trying to share this information who are not ready to receive it or don't have the template to understand it. So, okay, we tried another way. That's our job. That's how I frame my life's work. Try it another way. Yeah. Find another way to do it. And one of them is I'm in increasingly looking at graphics because I think people understand things better. In Some people understand them better when they can see a picture of it. Mm -hmm. or a way of describing it. So that's a lot of the focus of my work right now. And another is giving people tools because yes, they need the understanding, but then they need the tools. So um, Jane Gordon and our therapist in Maryland and I just published a book 
a coloring book for two people. It's called Coloring in Pairs. The name of the book is Color Me Closer. And it's something that we can put in therapist's hands when we're trying to explain this and say, this is a progression of pictures. It goes towards an attachment model. Um, and it's two people doing it together. And that's what we're trying to do is to open up the communication and the trust. And here's a way to do it. So as people think about this, if they can come up with concrete, um, practical tools, we need them. Mm -hmm. We need your book, Karen. We need better understanding and we need practical tools and we need a better vocabulary. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Well, where can people find you? Find your book, find your coloring book, your website. How, how do we get more contact with you? Uh, yes, so I am the director of the About Child Trauma Foundation and we are at aboutchildtrauma.org. Facebook page by the same name, Trauma. I have my own website, but I'm abysmal at keeping it up. It's larkeshelman.com, but I don't know how up to date it is. I'll have to work on that. <laughs> uh, and we love to hear from people about whether or not what we're doing is helpful, if they have ideas for research, um, collaborate on projects and programs, all about it. Great, wonderful. Well, I am a longtime admirer and so grateful to have you give this time to us for the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. So thank you so much, Lark. Karen, it's my pleasure and I admire everything that you're doing and I'm so grateful that you're doing it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.